You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickerak, episode two. Hello, teacher brains. Thank you for joining me today. I have to tell you that recording my first podcast episode last week was slightly terrifying. Uh, This is something that I wanted to do for a long time, but I could never actually work up the nerve to get it done. And I finally just took the leap. I sat down and I just went for it. My daughter was asleep, my husband was at hockey, and I knew that if I didn't do it then, it would probably never happen. So, on the floor of my closet, I recorded the episode and submitted it to Apple, and I'm so grateful to those of you who have supported me. Thank you so much. And here we are for another round. I did notice the last episode was really quiet, so I'm hoping that this is coming through a little more clearly. Uh, Again, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me. I know that your time is precious. And as I said last time, I am not here to waste a single second of it. So let's dive right in. If you haven't yet found our Teaching Little Brains group on Facebook, you may be wondering what this Teaching Little Brain things is all about. Uh, Well, a few months ago, and I'm not really even sure exactly how it happened, but I discovered a podcast by Jim Quick called Quick Brain. Uh, And if you're a member of my Facebook group, you'll definitely have heard of him before because we've tried out a few of his brain tricks together, and we will hear too in future episodes. And if not, you may have seen Jim on stage in videos on YouTube where he collects 50 to 100 words or numbers from the audience and recites them back, uh, forward and backwards. It's pretty impressive. His podcast is short episodes, about 10 minutes each, giving quote-unquote bite-sized brain hacks for busy people. And in his episodes, he teaches memory tricks, sleep hacks, speed reading. He talks about brain-healthy foods. He interviews experts on all things brain and learning related. And while I was listening to these episodes, I would think, man, I wish I had learned this a long time ago. These are the things we should be teaching in school. If students knew how to read faster, remember better, optimize their brain for learning, man, they could learn anything. If they knew how to use their brains to learn more efficiently, their world would open wide up. At the same time, I stumbled across a few more people with similar focus on using our brains to improve our lives and on brain-body connection, mindset, and health optimization. And I kept hearing the same names across various platforms, and I was utterly fascinated with the whole field of neuroscience and neuropsychology. I mean, scientists are discovering some pretty incredible things about our brain's function, uh, capacity, and capabilities. And in fact, we've learned more about the brain in the past 10 years than we did in the past hundred, or sorry, past thousand combined. Yeah. So I kept hearing the same names mentioned and same ideas, discoveries, theories, and I just, I kept following the trails. And one of the names shared with me by a dear friend and fellow teacher brain was Brooke Castillo. Again, if you're in our Teaching Little Brains Facebook group, you will have heard that name before too. Uh, But it was from her that I first learned about the fact that our thoughts create our feelings, which drive our actions and ultimately heat our results. I'll say that again because this was the catalyst of everything for me in creating teaching little brains your thoughts create your feelings which drive your actions which lead to a result period it's not the fact that something happens to or around us that makes us feel an emotion it's the thought that we attach to that event that creates the feeling so in other words it's not the fact that some jack 
rabbit cut you off on the highway that's making you shake your fists and scream at him. It's your thought that it was a terrible thing to do that's making you react that way. A driver moved their car in front of my car on the highway. That is a situation or circumstance, and that circumstance is neutral. It is neither positive nor negative. It simply happened. Some jackrabbit cut me off on the highway is your thought. Your feeling of anger is caused by your thought about the car moving in front of yours. Your thought that it was a crappy thing to do, and therefore that person is a jackrabbit. And your action of shaking your fists and screaming is driven by your feeling of anger. So as a result, maybe you honk the horn, or you move lanes, or perhaps you drive by and flip the bird. But all of that began with your thought about the car moving in front of you. If you're thinking, I don't know, Sarah, that sounds, I don't know, I disagree. I was driving along totally fine and happy until that jackrabbit cut me off. I want you to consider this. Think about a time when you and a friend or colleague were in the same situation, but you had different feelings about it. So maybe your admin asked you to talk to parents at a presentation night. You were totally fine with the idea, but your colleague, who was shaking like a leaf and sweating, uh, could tell, you could tell that she was about to either puke, cry, or pass out any second. So you both got the same exact sentence spoken to you by your administrator about speaking to the audience, but clearly you had different feelings about it and different reactions. That's because you had thoughts that it was fine while your colleague had thoughts that it was the worst thing that could ever happen to her in the history of life. In her podcast, Brooke offered the example of someone dying. Morose perhaps, but it really helped illustrate the point for me as I found it hard to chew. So people die all the time, like every three seconds around the world or something like that. You don't feel the same level of sadness every three seconds about every person in the world who dies. You don't even feel the same level of sadness about different people in your life who die. That's because their death is a neutral event. When we talk about neutral events, we're referring to things that can be proven in a court of law, facts, objective events that everyone has the same conclusion about like the death of someone. No one could argue that this person is not dead. Your thought about their death, what you make it mean, will create a feeling in you. Your thought might be that it is so sad that they died or that life will be impossible without them. That thought will create a feeling in you, maybe sadness or despair, loneliness, whatever. You will take action based on that thought-feeling combination. So you might cry, you could confine yourself to your room, climb into bed, and there will be results of that action. People will try to comfort you, you may fall asleep, you'll be alone. That same person's death may not affect me in the same way as it did you, because I will have different thoughts about it, or maybe no thoughts, if I didn't know the person well. I mean, aside from the thought that it's sad loss for you and that someone's life as we know it has ended, but it will mean different things to each of us based on our thoughts. Everything we do, say, feel, and believe begins with a thought. So let's do an example together just for fun. I'm going to give you a situation and I want you to just call out whatever pops into your head when I say it, okay? So here's the situation. It's 1.45 a.m., You are sleeping. The phone rings. What popped into your mind? 
Was it a single word? If so, it was likely a feeling, because feelings are described in a single word. Was it a sentence? If so, it was likely a thought. Thoughts are described in sentences. So if when the phone rang at 1.45, which is a neutral event, I thought someone has died, because why else would anyone call me at this hour? I would feel panicked. My action would be that I would probably answer the phone. And as a result, I would find out what happened. If I were feeling annoyed because I thought, ugh, it's that same automated recording from an Australian telemarketer that's called for the past three nights, I might ignore the phone action. And as a result, I would toss and turn for another 45 minutes trying to get back to sleep. If my sister were having a baby when the phone rang at 1.45, I might think, the baby's coming, feel excited, jump out of bed, answer the phone, and get ready to head to the hospital as my action. And as a result, I would meet my newborn niece. So can you see now how events can mean different things to different people based on the thoughts they have about the event? Knowing this, and knowing then that you can choose the thoughts you have just opens up so much for us and our students. We can teach them and ourselves to choose thoughts that serve us rather than hurt us and how to work through the negative thoughts and feelings that are an inevitable part of life. So as I continued my learning journey, I came across Dr. Shannon Irvin. Dr. Shannon is a business and now life coach who wanted to know what made some people super successful in business while others struggled. So she went perhaps a bit extreme and followed her PhD in neuropsychology. I came across Dr. Shannon when she was a guest on another podcast I was listening to. And in that episode, she talked about the same thing that I had heard from Brooke Castillo about how thoughts create feelings, driving actions. However, she added that this is visibly trackable on a brain scan. You can actually follow the path of a thought to a feeling on a brain scan. Like what? This is so fascinating. She also talked about some of the other incredible abilities that our brain has. Like she shared some like mind blowing studies, um, which I will talk about later, but that another day. Anyway, my brain, brain, my brain went wild. <laughs> Dr. Shannon talked about the power of our subconscious the main function of our brain, which I touched on in the first episode of this podcast, which is to keep us safe. And to do this, it takes the thought feeling combinations that we repeat over and over and automates them so that we don't have to think about things like the process of brushing our teeth, each step of getting dressed, saying thank you when someone holds the door open for us, or if you're Canadian saying sorry, those things become automatic. And this is actually a great thing because it frees up your conscious brain power for you to use on things that require concentration, like teaching, avoiding jackrabbits on the highway, writing lesson plans, etc. Your brain is it's your brain is kind of like the ideal dream student you've always wanted to have. It listens to your every word. It internalizes everything you tell it. It takes it all and automates your actions and reactions to increase efficiency so that you don't have to think about every move you make because that would use up a lot of energy. Oh, as a side note, Steve Jobs took this conservation of brain energy to a whole new level. 
he wore the same thing every day, a black t-shirt and jeans, and ate the same food each day because he didn't want to expand, expend any valuable decision-making brain energy on menial tasks like choosing clothing or considering meal options. He reserved his mental power for meaningful tasks in his job. He was the epitome of efficiency, and many other people, successful people, have adopted the same practice. Anyway, automation is actually great in many ways. In fact, you're here today because somewhere down the line, your ancestors' subconscious worked wonderfully. It kept them running away from the tiger so they could focus on finding safe and healthy, healthy food and practice the habits that resulted in you being alive today. The problem is that our brain is an objective listener and it internalizes everything we tell it without filtering. So if we are feeding it negative thoughts and feelings, it automates negative actions. For example, if you connect talking in front of a crowd with a feeling of dread and anxiety, when your principal asks you to speak to the audience at parent night, your brain says, okay, I've got this. Speaking in front of everyone means to be anxious and nauseated. Check. On the flip side, if you've told your brain through your thoughts that people, I'm oh, sorry, that public speaking is no big deal and that you're fine with it, then you'll step up to the podium, relaxed and ready to address the audience. So then something that completely threw me off though, was when Dr. Shannon shared that 80 to 90% of the decisions and actions we make during the day are done by our subconscious, like without our conscious thought, without really even our awareness that it's happening. I just pictured myself essentially zombieing my way through the day and that did not sit well with me. Actually, it made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. <laughs> I had never really considered the fact that I could choose my thoughts. I had just had a thought and followed along with it and rinse and repeat. Dr. Shannon explained that in our earliest years of life, our understanding of the world is formed through observations of others close to us, like our parents. We watch what they do, we listen to what they say, and we internalize the meaning of those things. And based on that information, our beliefs about the world are formed. At that age, between zero and seven, we just simply take it in. Our prefrontal cortex, remember that's the part of the brain that makes us human and allows us to think about our thinking, is not formed yet. So we just absorb. We combine when we combine what we observe and feel over and over it becomes automated by our subconscious so many of the beliefs we have now if they've gone unchecked were established in our brains at a very early age she tried to comfort us comfort us by telling us that it's not our fault i took little solace in this <laughs> but the great news is that we don't have to let our subconscious control our lives. We can choose our thoughts. We don't have to believe everything that pops into our head without question. This was an epiphany to me. Once I knew that I could choose my own thoughts and set the direction of my life, again, I began thinking about all the implications this could have, not just to my own self, my life, but also to my family, friends, teachers, and students. I, I just felt this urgency to share this information with everybody I came across. I felt like going around yelling, wake up, you don't have to be zombie. You can choose your thoughts. Did you know this? And maybe this seems like a ridiculous revelation to you. Maybe you already knew this and you're like, Sarah, really? But this was a huge awakening for me. And again, 
this thought just kept running in my head that this is the stuff our kids should be learning in school. This is the important stuff of life. So I took mad notes. I absorbed everything I possibly could. My family and I learned to meditate. We practiced all kinds of interesting stuff based on my learning. And I started teaching little brains. I kept hearing about these stories of people in adulthood trying to undo or at least understand the trauma or just unhealthy beliefs they've had all their lives, trying to overcome painful events. And I discovered that it all came down to this vital time when we were developing as humans, when we were young. And I thought, wouldn't it be better if we could just teach these kids this skill in real time so that they could navigate through all kinds of situations, negative and positive, and not have to look back when they're 35 or 40 years old to try to understand what happened and reset their brain, brain's pathways? This seemed like more work to me especially when the solution is so simple. So this Teaching Little Brains podcast and my under construction but coming soon website, my Facebook group was all conceptualized to support you, the teachers, and, and by teachers I mean all educators, including parents, to help the little brains in our midst learn the skills and strategies they can implement to optimize their learning and their lives, and yours as well. Each week, I will share some simple, practical, actionable things you can do with the little brains in your classrooms and or homes, along with the brain science and evolutionary roots behind them. A for interest, yours and your students, and B because I for one like to know the why behind things and I feel more confident when I can link it to something real like neuroscience. <laughs> Speaking of actionable steps, here's what I have for you today. Knowing that our thoughts create our feelings, and I mean, there are nanoseconds between the two, which is why this can seem like a tough concept to chew on, but knowing this, try this. Today, and for the next few days, uh, you could even make this a week-long challenge with your class, in PS, if you're in Ontario, this is in the curriculum, the relationship between thoughts, feelings, and actions. It's part of the social-emotional learning strand so you're going to notice and write down, or at least say out loud, but there is lots of brain science around writing things down, so I strongly encourage you to do that. So notice and write down the three most frequent feelings you have during the day. Then ask yourself, what was I thinking right before, or it might feel as, because it's nanoseconds, what was I thinking right before I was experiencing that feeling? If you were feeling overwhelmed, what were your thoughts at the time? If you feel excited, what were your thoughts you were having? If you feel grateful, what thoughts were you having? Okay, I have talked way too much. My intention is that these episodes will be 10 to 25 minutes max so that you can listen on your way to work uh, or at the end of the weekend when you're getting ready to plan for the next week and implement these strategies and tools right away in your classroom without the need for crazy prep time or financial investment. So that's what I have for you today. Thank you again so much for joining me. I really appreciate your being here. In the show notes for today's episode, I have included a link to a free lesson plan to help you facilitate lesson with your students, similar to the activity we walked through together um, where I gave you the situation and we, we brainstormed some possible thoughts and feelings. So just click on the link uh, for the freebie and it will be emailed to your inbox poof like magic uh, and thank you so much for coming have a great week everyone bye for now
You have been listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast. I am your host, Sarah Nickerick. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to notice and record your top three feelings each day and write down the thoughts that accompany, accompany them.